0: Welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. I'm Coach Kevin Furtado. Today is episode 115 of the Championship Vision Podcast. Today we have Coach Rory Hamilton. Coach Hamilton has 22 years of basketball coaching experience at the collegiate and high school level. Coach Hamilton is the current girls basketball coach at Norman North High School in Oklahoma. In six years, his team has posted a 102-58 and 58 record won five mid-season tournament titles, and appeared in six 6A area tournaments. In 2019, Norman North won the Silver Ball, losing in the 6A state championship game to Norman High School. Coach Hamilton was named Central Oklahoma Conference Girls Coach of the Year, along with earning Oklahoma Girls Basketball Coaches Association large-class All-State Coach. Prior to Norman North, he served as the head girls coach at Mount St. Mary Catholic High School in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. In seven years at MSM, he posted a 108-75 record and is the winningest girls coach in school history. Coach Hamilton led the Rockets to three consecutive 4A state tournament appearances. In 2011-2012, the Rockets had a 20-7 record and made it to the state tournament for the first time in school history. The next year, in 2012-2013, the Rockets posted a 25-6 record and earned the silver ball, losing in the 4A state championship game to Fort Gibson. In 2013-2014, the Rockets posted a 23-7 record and lost to Anarco in the 4A state tournament semifinals. Coach Hamilton was named Central Oklahoma Conference Coach of the Year three times and was selected to coach the little All-City All-Star game three consecutive years from 2012 to 2014. Coach Hamilton has coached seven NCAA Division I players, seven NCAA Division II players, and several players playing at the NEIA and in Junior Colleges Athletic Association levels. Coaches, is always great um, <clears throat> to talk to uh, new coaches, and, um, uh, the great thing about this podcast is I have a great opportunity to meet a lot of great coaches and great people. Um, and I think it's very important for us coaches to kind of get out. This is the kind of the why I started the podcast was, hey, I, I wanted to get out and share the game and learn from all these great coaches. I think the best coaches in America are high school coaches, bar none. And I think we need to really uh, learn from – other coaches who are having a lot of success, and Coach Hamilton has definitely had that success. I'm going to pick his brain on his core values of his program, what he does offensively, defensively in his practices, so we can take notes and use it in our programs. Coaches, let's welcome Coach Rory Hamilton.
1: Hello, my name is Rory Hamilton. I'm the head girls basketball coach at Norman North High School in Norman, Oklahoma. If you're looking for top-notch basketball coaching instruction and help, look no further than the Championship Vision podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. You can listen about our five keys to success at Norman North Girls Basketball, along with many other podcasts at championshipvision.org or listen on Spotify at Championship Vision. Happy hooping.
0: Hello. Yes. Can you hear me?
1: I can. Can you hear me? Okay.
0: I hear you, great, Coach. Thanks for joining me, man. I'm sorry I had to put you on delay for a while. (laughs) I apologize. No,
1: No, that's okay. That's okay. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, that's great, and I appreciate you being a um, listening to the podcast and so forth. Because I always, uh, it's all it's all for us coaches, man. I'm telling you, I'm picking up things all the time for all you great coaches. So. Um, and I got my, I got my notes right here, ready to add to it.
1: Hey, all right. All right. Me too. I, I had a chance to, uh, now that everybody's quarantined, I had a chance to get on there and um, (laughs) listen to about five or six different podcasts yesterday. And I'm so glad I discovered it. And I'm just honored to uh, be a small part of it today.
0: Yeah, that's great coach. Um, and I'm going to ask you kind of a few things. Like what do you know, what are some things you're getting out of the podcast and so forth? Because, um, That's the whole purpose of me doing it. I just have a passion for the game, and um, I'm able to connect and meet some really great coaches that I would never meet any other way other than by the podcast, and it's it's funny how things have worked out. Hey, tell me a little bit about about you and the program you're building there at Norman and um, how you got started in the game.
1: Yeah, so I I grew up in Kansas, um, and – after my high school career, I had a chance to uh, play one-year junior college basketball and and uh, always had a passion for the game. Um, end up, after my first year of playing in college, um, playing college baseball for the remaining three years, uh, but still loved the game of basketball. And then when my eligibility was up at Newman University, um, a coaching friend of mine, Mark Potter, uh, decided he was going to start the... Uh, the men's basketball program back up and so I was eager to get into coaching um you know my high school coach is probably been the biggest influence on me and my coaching career and I w- always wanted to be a high school coach and so he gave me that first opportunity at Newman and I spent three years with him kind of rebuilding uh the program there at Newman University um, coaching the JV just trying to be a sponge as much as I could be um after three years at Newman um I got my first math job at a school called Mays High School in Mays, Kansas. Um, I, I was there for about four years um, as an assistant girls coach. Um, during that time, I met my wife, who's uh, a Norman uh, girl, and, and uh, we decided to, to move to uh, Oklahoma. And so I've been in Oklahoma now um, 15 years Um, I was fortunate to uh, work for a man named Lonnie Nunley in Cache, Oklahoma, my first two years as an assistant coach there, Um, and then got my first head girls job at Mount St. Mary in 2007, uh, and I was there for seven years, and uh, just wrapped up my sixth year here at Norman North, and so I've been a head coach for 15 years, and and just like you, uh, a lifelong learner, always looking for new things, um, trying to share the game that we all love, and um, just excited and honored to be here today.
0: Yeah, and it really looks like you're building up, you built up two programs. So you've been, I don't think anything's by luck, coach. I, I think you definitely built the program up at Mount St. Mary's and you're doing that now. I want to get some of your keys to success, um, but tell me along the line, give me some specific you learned from one of those coaches that you mentioned as your mentors. Give me Give me something that you're still using now.
1: Yeah, my high school coach, um, you know, I I still remember when I was a sophomore in high school, um, I said, I want to be just like him. I just looked up to him, um, the way he treated kids. Um, He was like a second father to me. And so a large part of who I am as a coach and how I coach is because of him. His name's Dan Buchanan. He's since retired, but um, he was the coach at Goddard, Kansas for for a number of years. And I always feel like us coaches, we coach how we were coached and so um, a big part of who I am is, is him, and and I grew up back um, playing high school in the early 90s when Kentucky, Rick Pitino, the three-point shot was just uh, exploding, and so a lot of what we did in high school and a lot of um, what I've done at points in my career coaching um, is to try to utilize the three-point shot as much as we could. Um, we played a lot of zone defense. Um, we just weren't as athletic as other teams that we were going to play, and so um, but we shot a lot of threes. I think my senior year in high school, we hit 15 threes, um, four or five times. And back then, that was kind of unheard of. But um, yeah, that's <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> he, that, that's just kind of the way we played. And so he had the biggest influence on me. Um, and then uh, a couple other uh, coaches geez. along the way. Coach Mark Potter, who's um, since retired from N- Newman University, was a big um, influence on me on just his passion, his preparation. Um, I always felt like we were overorganized. I always felt like we were prepared for every situation. Um, he was just a tireless worker, and so it, it, it taught me um, how to work and and uh, you know how to prepare and and try to be ready for any situation. And then um, the other coach that's, that's really helped me was Lonnie Nunley and Cash. Uh, my first assistant job in Oklahoma. Um, really helped me learn how to foster relationships with kids and how to learn to get to know players off the floor. And um, the way he did it, um, you know, really showed me how to connect with kids on a different level and, and something I've taken from him. And, you know, at, we as coaches, we steal and, and we, we learn and we, we take things from successful coaches. And so a large part of what we do at Norman North, I've taken from those specific coaches. <laughs>
0: Let me ask you a tough question because those you've taken a lot of positives from the coach. It was there any, I think we also take, I know we see, and I'm not going to, you know, give any names, uh, but I I see a lot of coaches that are not what I consider really great. And I learn from that as well, like what not to do. Are you the same way?
1: Absolutely. You know, one of the things I talk about in our coaches' meetings every year is I aspire to be the kind of coach that I would want my own kid to play for. Um, And so every decision that we make as coaches, whether it be handling players, handling parents, working with administrators, um, be that coach that you would want your own kid to play for. And so that's one of the mantras that I live by. And so when I see, you know, things that maybe I don't necessarily agree with, maybe other coaches do, it just reinforces um, what we do and and shines a light on trying to do things the right way and, and try to set the examples for the kids that are in our program.
0: Yeah, that's a great way to put it, and, um, <clears throat> and I think we're all learning because I know there's probably moments for me on the sideline. Somebody goes, "Dang man, he he's that intense." <laughs> I'm not going to be like that, but I think you, I think you have to be yourself, uh, and that's probably probably great advice, right, Coach? I mean, you have to be, you have to find what you're good at, right?
1: Absolutely, yeah. And your kids are going to take on whatever personality that you show on the sidelines um you know one of the things I I try to do is you know I try to keep an even keel on the sideline not try to get too high or too low and you know because your kids are going to look to you in those those pressure moments those those critical moments in a game and if they see you you know hooting hollering and getting emotional then they're going to get that way too so I try sure. to keep an even keel um, as much as possible but we know as coaches we're probably burning up on the inside <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> exactly um,
1: trying to keep it in but I I think that's the example that at least I try to set for, for the kids in my program is just to try to not get too high, not get too low. This it's a long season and to enjoy the ups, um, but also try to try to persevere through the down moments as well.
0: Yeah. Just like the old Brad Stevens on that, but not everybody can be Brad Stevens, right? It's, I think you have to be yourself and that if that's you, then that's how you got to do it. You can't be somebody else. Coach. Um, Tell me, when did you know like coaching was going to be your livelihood? Was it the first practice? Was it after the first year? When did you know?
1: I think I knew in high school um, that I had a calling. Um, I saw the impact that my high school coach had on me, not only as a player, but as a person. And I said, that's what I wanted to do. And so I I never really deviated much from that. I know that was the direction that that I always wanted to go, and that, and that God was um, putting that, you know, message in my head that hey, you need to go make a difference, and you need to share the game that you love, and be around young people, and try to do the same thing to other kids that my coach did for me. And so that's <laughs> been a lifelong um, mantra for me is just to try to give back and share and help the the younger generation of coaches just like my coaches did for me. And um, I, I think you know when I when I talk to my kids in my classroom. They always asked, hey, did you always want to be a math teacher and basketball coach? And I say, unfortunately, I did. You know, I never really had a change. I, I was passionate about what I wanted to do. And I and I and I went and, and I got it. And so um, and that's the message I send to them is find something that you love doing that you're passionate about and, and go for it. And so, you know, I was lucky. Um, I knew right away what I wanted to do and, and been doing it ever since.
0: Yeah, I'm very lucky because I don't think I know anything else. But, uh, you know, I'm a PE teacher, and like like you said, I'm a basketball coach, and I'm not sure if I can do – I'm sure I could, but I'm doing exactly what I, I, I want to do, and I think I've been very blessed. Um, coach, tell me about – are there any regret? Let's look back to your first practice. Like, is there any re- – I know when I look I back first- to my first – can you hear me yeah, okay? Um, when I look back to my first year of coaching, I was not a very good coach. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. And I look back, go, did I really do that? Uh, do you have any regrets uh, looking coach. back on your first like your first year? I know I have a lot of regrets. Oh, uh, absolutely.
1: Um, <laughs> you know, I, I worked as a college coach for three years, and then I was an assistant for about five years. And when I got my first head coaching job, I thought I had every answer. I thought I had it all figured out. And then my first year as a head coach, we won one game. And so <laughs> you get humbled real quick, you know, as far as, uh, sure. you know, where you're at as a head coach. Um, but I, I, I'd say that that first year taught me a lot. I made a lot of mistakes um, and you learn from them, you know, and and you persevere. And, and I feel like the, I wouldn't be the coach I am today if I hadn't made those mistakes, um, you know, and, and I made, probably every mistake in the book, um, you know, coach, my first year coaching girls. Um, I learned over the time um, how to coach girls, how to, how to, um, you know, not treat them any different, to hold them accountable, you know, all, all the things that it just takes time, but um, we persevered and, and uh, every year we got a little bit better. Um, and, uh, you know, but I think by our fourth, fourth or fifth year, Um, we were in the state tournament first time in school history. So, um, and then I think my last three years, we made it to the state tournament, um, all three years got runner up one year and then, uh, made it to the semis the other year. So we just slowly got better, um, had some really good players come into our program and, uh, you know, put Mount St. Mary girls basketball, um, in, in a good situation before, before leaving.
0: Yeah, good players really makes you, uh, makes you pretty that's, good, that's, doesn't it? <laughs> but I do feel like your good coaches like yourself attract good players. I don't think it's just by happenstance. I, I know some coaches get lucky. Do you feel like that if if you're doing, if you're building it the right way, players will come Yeah, in. I
1: think so you know, and, and the only thing you can do is, is especially as a high school coach in a public school is you can only coach the kids that walk through those doors. And, you know, sometimes you're going to be blessed to have uh, an abundance of talent, you know, and with that, you can probably win a lot of games. Uh, but you also have to be prepared for when, when maybe you don't have as much talent, how are you going to find a way to be competitive? And so, um, you know, we, we, uh, we don't have that luxury as public school coaches, you know, we, we, we try to coach and teach sure. with what we have. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I agree. And that's one of the things I really enjoy about coaching is you know, every year it's going to be different. Um, every year you've got to look to ways to adapt to try to make your teams as competitive as possible. And, and, and our conference, in our conference, in, in the state of Oklahoma, uh, just in general, uh, 6A is just mm-hmm. unbelievably talented. And so um, night in, night out, you're playing against teams that have one and two, division one, sometimes even four college players on a team. And so um, you just got to find a way to compete and got to find a way to, uh, you know, try to win.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about that. Cause my next question is, you know, tell us, tell cause I, I talk to coaches from all over the country and, um, I'm in Georgia and, you know, there's a, there's a good influx of players out here in Atlanta and so forth, but tell us about Oklahoma. Tell us about the breakdown of girls basketball in Oklahoma. I imagine it's pretty good. It's really
1: good um i'll first talk about our conference um in the state tournament last year um the, the final four teams in class 6a which is the largest class in oklahoma were all conference teams um from from our conference which is the central oklahoma athletic conference um it's it's by far the most talented class and in, in oklahoma as far as players but i will say the smaller classes in oklahoma as well have really good players and so um i think the the state of oklahoma high school basketball is as good as it's ever been Uh, but our conference in general we've got um at least three or four teams in our conference that have multiple players that have division one offers and so it's uh it's just extremely uh difficult but fun at the same time because you know you're seeing great basketball players at a high level and it's just a lot of fun to coach against those kind of kids but um at norman north we've uh um, we've had three players in my, let's see, six years go on to play collegiately. So we're, we're doing our part as well. Um, but it's just a really, really good time in Oklahoma right now. And the, the, the number of really players is just, it's unbelievable how many talented kids are in just in the Oklahoma city metro area as well.
0: Yeah. It seems like that area is growing up pretty good. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Just, I don't know, if just because the NBA franchise is going, I, I don't know. It just seems like that's a high growth area.
1: It is. And, and you know, I, I've seen the, the the rise in the, the AAU programs um, in, in this area. Um, Trey Young now has a, an AAU program for for girls. Um, I think Team Griffin is also expanding out to the girls' side as well. And so you're starting to see these sure. NBA guys give back and start these AAU programs for, for girls. And so – you know, that's fostering players, fostering development. And I think we're going to see the the fruits of that um, in the upcoming years. And we're already starting to see it with the amount of players that are getting Division 1 offers, Division 2 offers um, in the metro area.
0: I would think Kobe was a big, a very respondent. Don't, don't you think? I mean, him, I think he really pushed because of his daughter. Um, I think he really pushed girls Basketball, I really do. I, I I could be wrong, but I think he had a big impact on females getting into the game. Don't you Absolutely. agree? Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I think you know anybody, anytime an athlete has that kind of platform to speak and share about uh, girls basketball. You know, he definitely has a big audience, and I can speak from our players. Um, I I know a lot of them held Kobe in such high regard for what he did for girls basketball. Um, and and the the notab- the, the notoriety and, and the the publicity that he brought to the game. So I think we're all appreciative of that, and you know uh, the love that he had for his daughter and the love that he had for the, for the women's game.
0: I want to talk about your program yeah. because this is the my whole podcast is about you know individual. I, I want to pick out pieces of your program, and I appreciate you sending me those those five areas those five strengths because I want to I want you to share with what you guys really believe in you talked about defense uh, particularly zone defense rebounding zone offense junk offense special situations and team chemistry could you maybe even start with what you had number one in regards to your strengths is your defense talk a little bit about that
1: yeah I think you know for me uh, in my coaching philosophy like I talked about that that first year at the mount, um, I had to find a way to make us competitive. And so, um, you know, we really had a hard time scoring the basketball back in the day. And so I just committed um, everything to the defensive end of the floor. Um, I said, hey, if we can't score, we're going to work our tails off to try to not let the other team score. And so, you know, the, the, the better players that we got into the program um, offensively, we had such a great defensive foundation built on – just sound fundamental pack line defense, um, a a good zone defense. And as we got better players that, um, you know, we had that defensive identity built in, we were able to, you know, really take our, our program and our game to new levels. And so that's kind of where it started. You know, I I knew, um, especially at a private school that you you never really know from one year to the next, the kind of kids that you're going to have. So we might as well build as good a defensive identity as possible Um, and then if we ever, you know, have talented offensive players come into the program, we have a chance to be really good. And, and we were blessed and fortunate that way. And I kept that same, uh, mentality coming to Norman North. It was, it was already a really good program. Um, they did things a little bit different defensively than, than what I do. Um, they were a little bit more on the line, up the line, pressure, man to man, uh, which is a, which is a great way to play defense. Um, but I always feel like you have to take what personnel you have and adapt your defensive philosophy and what you do based upon number one, the kids, the kids that you have in your program. And then the question I always ask myself every year is, does the defense that we play put us in a position to beat the best teams on our schedule? And if we're not preparing to beat the best teams on our schedule defensively, then we're fooling ourselves and we're not preparing our kids for success. And so Every summer, I think about our team. I think about the tweaks that we need to make. What do we need to do differently? What do we need to keep the same defensively to keep that identity, to keep that um, you know, number one priority in our program is is guarding. And so um, we went to Pac-Line um, about eight years ago when I was at the Mount and felt like it was a way for us to compete against teams that were more athletic than us, teams that were faster. Um, and so we felt like it also complemented our – our, our two, three zone. And so that's really been our identity. Um, the last seven, eight years, um, both at the Mount and at Norman North, there's not a lot of teams that play zone in six, a in Oklahoma, but we play about 60, 40 zone, man. And so, um, we feel like it gives us a defensive and, and an advantage that teams have to prepare for us. um, and so th- those are the two things that we we pride ourselves on is just our, our pack line and then our, our two three that we really work hard at and um, you know we I don't think we run a ton of different things defensively but those two you're going to see a steady dose of
0: yeah give us give us a little sample of um, <clears throat> you mentioned two three you mentioned pack line give us a little uh, give us a couple core principles are they any different than um you know maybe a virginia's pack line or is there something unique that you guys
1: do well we it all i think two things i think it all depends on how you want to guard the ball and how you want to guard the post and so we feel like um if we get up and pressure the ball that it's impossible for us to deny so number one is we have to define how we pressure the ball and so we we feel like we've got to pressure the ball to take you know get teams a little bit be a little bit more disruptive but if we pressure the ball we've got to be in our gaps and so the, the number one thing we talk about is if we pressure the ball one pass away we always have to be on the pack line and we use the three i know a lot of coaches don't use the three-point line but we use the three-point line as our pack line so we're a little bit okay more a little bit more extended than the normal pack line um but we feel like we don't put tape on the floor we feel like that three-point line is always going to be there and so um it's an easier teaching point for us and so Number one is always make sure that we're pressuring the ball. And we define pressure in the basketball as trying to turn the shoulders of the offensive player. Um, it's, di- you know, if you have a quick athlete, you know, they're, they're able to maybe pressure up a little bit more. If you've got maybe a slower defender, they have to kind of be in and out on the ball. But as long as they're turning the shoulders of the offensive player, that's how we define it. That's how we measure it. And so everybody's a little bit different on that. And the second thing I have, think you have to do is figure out how you're going to guard the post. Um, we, we three quarter, uh, just like, you know, Virginia, uh, we three quarter slide behind. We will only double, um, if we feel like there's a dominant post player, but what we like to do is, is uh, three quarter slide behind on a post catch and then look to dig. Um, those are the two things that we really pride ourselves on is guarding the ball, guarding the post, um, always making sure that we're taking away anything to the paint, um, so our, our nose, you've heard this probably before with, uh, Jim Boone is at Arkansas Fort Smith, who's kind of the, the pioneer of pack line. But, you know, the thing that our kids have to know is no, know he has a phrase called know your nose. And so our nose, at right, Norman, sure. our, our nose at Norman North are no transition points, uh, no paint, no rhythm threes and no second chances. It's real, it's real basic. Mm-hmm. And so we work daily on, on those things, no transition, Uh, no paint, um, no rhythm threes. I feel like the three-point shot is so critical in the girls' game that everybody wants to get to the rim and everybody wants to shoot the three-point shot. Well, our our defensive philosophy is to try to take away those things, try to take away any type of dribble penetration and try to take away any rhythm threes and try to make you either beat us mid-range or uh, have to beat us a different way. And so our whole defensive philosophy and makeup is to take away those two things.
0: Yeah. And Jim Boone's one of the best, right? He's one of my most underrated. Uh, He's a great teacher of the game, isn't he?
1: I love it. You know, anything that I can get my hands on regarding his pack line, you know, we've adopted a lot of the drills that he does, but um, just, you know, the teaching points and, and the finer things as far as, you know, how to guard certain actions and things like that. And, and so we have a base way that we teach certain certain things um, early on in the season. And then as the season goes on, you can always tweak and modify based on, you know, your opponent and things like that. But um, ours ours is, a, ours is a little bit different um, as far as, you know, how we guard th- certain things as far as, um, you know, our closeouts and things like that. But we, we try to uh, run it as much as we can, like Virginia and like what Coach Boone does.
0: Yeah, and uh, tell us about your zone. I, I, I'm, I feel like and you're very similar to us. We play really athletic teams. Now, we got we got good teams. We got good players, but mm-hmm. they're not athletic. Um, I like to – I just feel like I like to extend my 2-3 zone. Um, and, and this year, we're actually going to go to more of a 1-1-3 one, one, so I can pressure the ball up top. But it's basically yeah. a 2-3. How do you all run it's your changed. two,
1: three? Um, you know, we, the last three years, um, or I, I should say this last year, I was, I had the biggest team I've ever coached. I had six, one, six foot, six foot. Um, mm-hmm. And so what, nice. what that allowed us to do is like mm-hmm. you said, extend a little bit more um, with those three bigs. Um, we tried to run it. I mean, identical to what Syracuse does and, and their coverages. Um, we try to take away open threes. Uh, we try to funnel the ball to the short corner and trap it. Um, you know, we, we, we guard the high post a little bit different, you know, depending upon personnel, depending upon teams, but we try to run it just identical to them. Um, you know, um, when I was at the Mount, I wasn't quite as big. And so we did a little bit of what you're describing. We kind of took uh, the top two and kind of staggered them every once in a while. And we'll st- still do that on occasion. Um, but we we play zone defense to take away the three, to keep the ball out of the paint, and to uh, funnel, funnel the ball to certain areas. And I just feel like zone defense, just in general, running a good zone um, gives other teams something to prepare for that they don't normally see. And so we feel like it gives us a a competitive advantage. Um, And so I also like out of our two, three, you know, you can, you can trap out of it. You can um, not guard certain areas based on personnel. What what I think it allows you to do is just take your base defense and adjust it based upon who you're, who you're seeing, how, how they're attacking it and things like that. Sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that. Um, and I I want to kind of go into your next your next strength number two and I you you probably rank it maybe even differently yeah. but um, is rebounding and I think um, that is one area where I'm always studying the best way to rebound because I I spoke to a guy yesterday Jay Blossom who's one of the best defensive coaches in the in the country and he was talking about they don't actually block out on rebound where they're trying to seal the guy they they basically just he calls it check and go. Yeah. All right. And he, find, he finds that's the best way to pursue the rebound. How do you all teach rebounding, offense, and defense?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, the girls' game is different. Uh, the girls' game's played from the, the shoulders to the hips. And so, you know, you, you got to find a way to, to, to play positioning. And so from day one, we talk about, you know, technique. We talk about how we box out. Um, you know, so early on in the season, we talk a little bit more about technique. Um, and then our, our rebounding philosophy is simple. We got it from Tom Izzo, hit, find, get. Um, you know, you got you to gotta hit hit the offensive player. Um, you got to find the basketball, then you have to go get it. Um, and I, I think some of it, too, is you, you are what you emphasize in practice every day. Um, I heard a great quote from Fran Faschilla one time on Twitter where he said, I should walk into your practice and after the first five to ten minutes know what your program's all about. And we, we emphasize rebounding daily in every drill that we do um, whether it be offensive or defensive and I always tell our players the best way to get good at defensive rebounding is to make sure you're going to the offensive glass. and so one one of the things that we do is we assign one of our assistant coaches to be in charge of rebounding every day and so both offense and defense and so there's somebody holding those kids accountable to where um, you know it, it's a, it's an identity of when that shot goes up Boom, we're crashing or when that shot goes up, we're, we're trying to find a body on somebody. And so um, that's, I think that's one of the things that you have control over as a head coach. Um, you know, you may not be as athletic or as big or as tall, but if you can rebound on both ends of the floor, um, it can give you an advantage. And you might be able to offensively maybe steal six, eight points a game by just going to the boards or defensively limiting those really, really good teams to, to one shot. Yeah, and
0: particularly in state tournaments where the shooting is – the teams are better, so the defense is better. The shooting, particularly at the girls' level, right, Coach? Uh, you know, you might get a team maybe shooting 40%. Even the best teams are not shooting 40% from the field. So, um, But do you uh, do you really focus on locking down blockouts on all five players? I mean, what, what's your strategy for that? How do you keep people off the yeah, boards? Yeah,
1: we, we don't block out three-point shooters. Um, we teach, you know, we teach, right. uh, you know, challenge and then sprint out, um, sprint. sprint out. Out, yeah, yeah. That way, if there's a long rebound or something, you know, we might have somebody to get a quick layup down at the other end, but, um, you know, we, we just simply, and what, that's one of the things I really like about our pack line is pack line, li- pack line limits rotation. And so the more that you can limit rotation and stay with your girls, stay in the area, the better rebounding, the better rebounding position you're going to be overall. And so um, I think that gives us an advantage too to where we're, you know, it sometimes looks like we're in our zone, but we're just, we're just so packed in that, you know, it keeps us in good rebounding position because we're keeping the ball out of the paint and shots are going to come from, you know, in positions to where we're in good position. So, um, but as, as far as it's just something that, you know, we really, really pride ourselves on daily. <coughs> we do, we do drills, Um, you know, we've even in the past when we feel like we, we needed to get an added edge, we, we got the bubble out. Um, and the girls, whenever they see the bubble out, whenever they (laughs) see the bubble out, they're like, Oh my God, it's about to get real today. Uh, (laughs) You know, (laughs) but you know, it's just one of those things where, um, you know, what, what you emphasize in your program and and we feel like you're in, you're out. That's one area for us to be competitive that we've got to really work on is be able to rebound.
0: Yeah, and that that's a controllable though. I mean, because I think rebounding's effort, absolutely, right? Absolutely. And <laughs> um, coach, give me, give me. First of all, talk about your offensive rebounding because I think that's a neglected part of the game. Do you send four to the boards? How do you get offensive rebounds? Yeah, we rebounds?
1: send three, um, and then we always designate our one and our two are back. Our, our full check and our half check. Um, the only time that only time we okay. may okay. send four is if that that two guard whoever's our our half check. Maybe drives in there, um, you know, and might not be able to get back. But uh, we usually send our one to half court and our two at the top of the key for the most part to make sure we're trying to take away as many transition buckets as possible. But it's kind of a risk reward. As much as we really try to go to the offensive glass, you're going to be susceptible sometimes to giving up some transition points. But we mm-hmm. feel like we feel like it's mm-hmm. an area, especially against teams that like to run, that like to get out, that they're a little bit susceptible on the board sometimes. But um, you know, we, especially for us this year, we struggled to score a little bit more than some of the other teams we've had. So we really had to um, crash the boards. And, um, you know, as as far as technique goes to the boards, we just talk about, you know, um, the longer the shot, the longer the rebound, Um, you know, where the shots taken from, you know, seven out of 10 are going to go weak side, things like that. And so, you know, there's things that you can do daily to, to reinforce that, but it's just, it's just the mentality and it's just the, a habit that has to be drilled from, from day one, as far as, you know, uh, what your identity is as, as a basketball team.
0: Give me a core drill that you guys use a lot um, that you, you can share with us and maybe coach for maybe I can steal it from yeah, you a little bit. Um,
1: there's a drill and it's, it's on fast model sports too. It's on one of the, one of the blog posts I did for uh, competitive rebounding drills, but it's a drill that we do. There's two of them that I'll, I'll talk about. The first one is, usa rebounding that i got from coach k a few years back when i was watching the usa basketball open practice but basically it's like your shell drill you put four offensive players um two in the short corners and two at the elbows and then you have three offensive players lined up in the paint and you have a coach that's right around the free throw line shoot the basketball and it's 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 four on three and so um you know the the only person that can't go get a rebound Um, you you can designate that Um, the the coach can pass to one of the four players Um, whoever shoots it can't go rebound and so those other three just have to communicate scramble um, talk and 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 find and hit find get and so um, that's that's a drill that we do um at least twice a week early in the preseason um you know if we feel like we need to go back to it we can but it's a competitive drill we put two minutes on the clock the team that gets the most offensive rebounds um so it reinforces if you go to the boards it forces the other team to box out it's a really really great drill um the other one that we do i got from um Greg, Greg McDermott at, at Creighton, we just call it Creighton sure. rebounding, but you split up your team into to two teams, a, a white, green, a white team and a green team. And um, you put one group at the elbow and one group on the baseline. And um, the first two players from each team go on the elbows and the blocks. Uh, the coach has the basketball and tosses it out to the elbow players. Um, they're going to shoot the basketball. If they make it, they get a point. But the minute that shot goes up, it's live. And so if the offensive team shoots it, misses it, but gets an offensive rebound and sticks it back, they can get one point. If the offensive team shoots it, makes it, and still gets an offensive rebound through the net and scores it, they can get two points. The only way the defense can get a point is to secure a defensive rebound and then go right back up and put it in. And so um, it's a great competitive drill. Um, we do it actually as part of our pregame um, every, before every game because our kids love it. It's physical. Um, big games are one in the paint. So we work on finishing through contact and um, it's, it's, it's one of our top five drills that we do. Um, and it's called crate and rebounding. It's also um, on that post on fast model. Um, but yeah, those are the two that we do. And there's a couple more. We do a, a drill. For, uh, my assistant coach, Al Beal, who played at OU um, does called circle the wagon rebounding where um, you put four offensive players um on the blocks and on the elbows and you have four defensive players and they just move in a circle and they have to communicate, communicate, communicate. And the shot goes up and they got to find the person in that area and go box out. It's a, it's a really good drill as well, but we just try to be creative with that, but, you know, create a, a competitive atmosphere in those drills to where, you know, when that shot goes up, we got to find a body and, and, and push them out and, and go secure rebound.
0: How much time do you spend rebound you have like a designated time of practice uh i'm sure i'm I'm sure you're well organized and you have everything worked out but is there a specific time in practice where you do your rebounding in our
1: defensive block um we do five to ten minutes of breakdown drills and so if we feel like during those break that that day that we need to do a rebounding drill then we'll do it but we'll spend five to ten minutes on daily maintenance drills so whether that be a closeout drill um a, 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 a zigzag drill anything uh that we feel like we need to break down um and then we go to our our uh, our shell um our, our shell drill where there's a lot of progressions that we do out of that and then we spend about 10 to 12 minutes working on transition so we have a 25 minute block every day every practice where we work on our our, our pack line um and so de- depending upon you know who we're playing what we feel like we need to work on like for example there's a team that we play that has just unbelievable guards that Drive and, and, and want to get to the paint. And so that day for our breakdown drill, we may do three players guard four, three guard four disadvantage. And so we're working on three players guarding four, where the four players are constantly trying to drive the ball, get into gaps. And so we're working on our help and and recover and, and our scramble.
0: Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and you are listening to the Championship Vision Podcast.
1: Ramble situations and things like that. And so we just kind of pick and pull from about eight to 10 different breakdown drills um and during that five to ten minutes and and rebounding is usually one of them because we can do a rebounding drill in two to three minutes and get what we want out of it um and then kind of move on i think if you were to come to one of our practices you would see that we i mean we try to be organized and try to be detailed um growing up in kansas had an opportunity to go to several Roy Williams practices over the years and he's got everything to the minute. And my high school coach was that way. And so we're, we're kind of like that. I mean, if we're going to work on shell drill for eight minutes and here are the three things we're going to do and we're going to boom, 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 boom. And um, so our, our, our practices are fast paced, um, you know, attention to detail and, and we're just kind of moving on from one thing to the next.
0: And coach, I really appreciate the. I mean, it's just great detail how you explained it. And I want to go right into your third area your third strength um uh, is zone offense and junk offense i, I found that i found that a little bit unique and different why is zone offense and junk offense the third most important or i your think third just strength?
1: From my experience as, as as a coach um you know when, when i got my first head coaching job uh was at a class 4a school and we we were very average offensively and so we saw we saw a lot of zone um, and so I had to really grow in that area. Um, then I got um, my fourth year at Mount St. Mary, we had uh, an influx of three or four really good players. And so teams couldn't, couldn't guard us man. And so we started seeing every zone, every junk defense that you could possibly think of. And so it was a real weakness of mine as a head coach, because I was like, OK, you just you know, here we go, we're going to make threes and that's going to be a good zone offense. And then as I found out the, the, the well-coached teams, you know, they could run a good zone and, and we weren't quite as ready for it as, as we needed to. And so it really helped me grow in that area over the years. And now I feel like it's become a strength of mine as far as just zone offense, the, the junk offense, kind of the same way. Um, I'll, I'll give you a little story there. We were um, in the I think it was the first first round of the state tournament. Um, We beat a team out of Oklahoma, being Oklahoma, and we were able to get to the semis. And in the semis, we were playing the number one team in the state, which was Anadarko girls, who are year in, year out, one of the best programs in the state of Oklahoma. They hadn't been beaten, they were the number one team in the state. You know, and I hadn't really looked much past them because I was thinking, okay, if we get by them, you know, it's gravy. We're going to be playing in the state championship game. We played the best game I've ever been a part of. We upset the number one team in the state, and we get to the state finals. Well, in the state finals, we play for Gibson, who had been to the state tournament, state finals game, I think eight straight years at that point, or seven seven or eight straight years at that point. Unbelievably well coached, disciplined. They run their stuff. Um, Well, their coach, Jerry Walker, who's a Hall of Fame coach, is renowned for his junk defenses his triangle and two, his, his diamond and one, and things like that. And so we had 24 hours to try to get ready for this thing. And so we we talked <laughs> as, a, as a staff with my players, and we're like, okay, we're going to run just our normal stuff. We're going to, you know, just play. We don't think about it. Just run our normal motion. Um, and that worked for about a half. You know, other players were hitting shots. You know, everybody was contributing. We felt like, okay, we're in a good position. I think we're up seven and a half. Well, then they went to this triangle and two and we got stuck. And so our seven point lead went to four, went to two, went to zero, and then boom, they got that momentum. And then after that, we just fell flat on our face. And so after that game, I felt terrible because I felt like as a head coach, I wasn't as prepared for that situation as I needed to be. And I let my team down. And so after sure. that moment, I did, I said, I gotta, I gotta be better. And so, I reached out to all my coaching friends, all my colleagues, all my mentors, you know, anybody that I held in high regard and said, hey, I need some help. And so, you know, that's where I started to study uh, junk offense. And um, it, it ended up becoming, you know, kind of a strength of ours. Um, you know, if we ever saw it that next year, we had some things that we can go to. And, you know, when I when I got the job at Norman North, we don't see as much junk off defense in 6A. Um a little bit more man-to-man pressure, things like that, but I don't see it as much, but I still get contact from coaches. Um, you know, I've got a couple of posts that I've shared, just some of the things that, that I studied, some of the things that we we did at the Mount to, to prepare for that. And so it's one of the areas where I feel like I've been there. I had to learn the hard way, and it helped me grow as a coach. And so now when teams are in that same situation, I can kind of share with them my experience to help them be prepared so they don't make the same mistake I did
0: yeah we um, I mean that's a great story because we have one girl that we basically every game coach we face the box and yeah. one so I mean I, I, I can relate now we went into the season she's faced it the last two years and she's a junior now so she'll get it again next year but um, tell me give me your, give me your zone offense. I know it's hard over the phone but I want you to describe for me how you run your zone offense, whether that's a two-post set or one post. Kind of describe that, that offense for me. And also, give me kind of a breakdown of your job. Yeah, zone so conference. we,
1: zone-wise, we, we really like to start 1-4 high against any zone. We, we feel like okay. we put our, both our bigs right around the elbows, and we, we really feel like 1-4 distorts any zone. And so what we try to do is depending upon, you know, the zone that we see, but we really, really like to get our post players involved right around those elbow areas as much as possible. Um, So that's our first option is to try to hit one of our post players um, right around that elbow area. And then on on that catch, um, the other post dives right to the front of the rim. And so we uh, immediately look for a quick high low. Um, if, if that high low is not there, then we look to skip it diagonally and then we get right into our our X action um, that I know a lot of a lot of coaches probably run. Um, so that's that's the that's what we do on a post option. If we hit a guard in our one four high alignment, um, the ball side big sprints to the short corner, the weak side big flashes to the elbow. And then what we do something a little bit unique is we take our point guard and we slide them all the way to the weak side. and We create what we call two on one on the backside. And so if that post that flashes straight across is not open, we have them pop out for a quick ball reversal. And now we're now. okay. And then if if, if we we don't have a shot there, we immediately reverse it to the point guard and we have a two on one on the backside. And then we're right into our our X action. Um, So we do that two, three, three, two, one, three, one. Those are our reads. Now um, if we're seeing like, you know, a matchup or something like that, we'll also go to that because we, we want to make the zone man to man as much as possible. And so we feel like the, that alignment allows us to do that. And the reads out of that are very simple. Yeah. I
0: love that. I, I love the, I don't use my post. Uh, matter of fact, this next year I'm going to have almost all guards and a, and a six foot yeah. post player. So, um so we're going to more of a single post. But my guards can play in the post, and I got to be, I got to be smart enough. And you know, I mean, I think sometimes your best players inside Absolutely. are your guards. Yeah,
1: we we run Absolutely.
0: just because of hands and, and then be able to pass
1: it once they get in there because. Once you, once you catch the ball yeah, into yeah. That, that middle of the zone, you're going to have some heat. You're going to have some hands. And so you need to have a good decision maker in there that that knows what to do with the basketball. And I think that's for us and our and our as a zone defensive coach. You know, there's some kids, when they flash it in there, that we, we may not even guard. You know, we, we may say, okay, you, you're going to need to beat us consistently from that high post area before we, you know, honor that. Um, and so – you know, we take our experience as a zone defensive coach and apply it to the offensive end, that we make sure that we have the right people catching the ball in the middle of that zone. So we can always look. And in our zone reads, once we get the ball to the high post, our zone reads, or what we teach our kids is high, low, opposite. So anytime you catch the ball in in the middle of the zone, you know, you catch it, you look for high, low, and you look opposite. And so we teach that for for any of our uh, players catching the ball. Um, A few years back when we didn't have our post players and we were a very guard warning a team we were we ran a little bit more zone concepts where every time you would pass um, you would cut and hook into that little mid post or high post area um, and we would keep our our big um, always in the gutter um, low low and away to where we opened up the middle of the floor for those, those guards cutting in there um, but the last last few years we've had a lot of post players. So we've, we've gone to more traditional high, low X action.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love how you made the adjustments there. And and that, that's what I wanted to ask you. Cause this year um, we're definitely making some adjustments. I love the X action. I, what I love is the short corner, man, that, that elbow player seals that guard yes. and dives hard. We get that with our big girl. I mean, it, it's really impossible to stop. That's why, Teams don't play a lot of two-three zone against us, um, but my best player, I love to move around, particularly on the baseline, trying to get her instead of just standing yeah. in one area. Uh, is that how you attack a junk defense? Uh, I run a lot of baseline screens for my baseline runner, which is my best player. Yeah, we, how do you do you it? You talking about like just
1: junk defense? Yeah, 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 just
0: like a box and one. We don't face a lot of yeah. triangle too. It's more box and one. To
1: decide as a coach, do I want? to run my stuff primarily to get my best player shots or are you going to find ways to get your kids in position to be successful so that's the first step i think you have to as a coach is identify because you can run your best player off triple screens quadruple screens and then when they catch the ball their legs are so much they're like jello that you know they can they can barely get the ball to the (laughs) rim and so one of the things that i like to do is use that person as a screener and try to find ways for your other kids to, to be successful, to get them involved. Um, I think a mistake I made early on when I was a junk offense is you try to design everything to get your star player the shot, which is good. But at the same time, everybody else starts is standing, you know, and the team can really load up on that player. And so, um, I, I don't say wiser, but as I started to evolve as a coach, I was like, okay, I still need to have some things in to get that person a shot. But what I really need to do is find ways to get other people in positions to be successful, wherever that would be. And so, you know, using that person that's being guarded man-to-man as a screener, um, especially along the baseline. Um, there's a couple of actions that we run to get the ball inside. Um, I'm, a, I'm against the zone. Now, we, we run traditional zone offense, but if you talk to any coaches that play against us, um, we run a lot of zone sets um i I think that's my small school coaching experience coming out to where if you've got one or two players, by God, they're able to touch the ball every time down the floor and so with that be- with that being <laughs> said, you gotta sure. create structure and you gotta create situations to where they get the ball and so we run probably eight to ten sets um every year um zone that that we'll have in to where you know, regardless of three-two, one-three, one-two-three, one-one-three, 2 you one, know, one, three, one, one, three, certain things that we can go to and certain actions that we can go to. But um, I personally like to use that box-in-one player as not necessarily a decoy, but a, a, as a screener to create two-on-ones and, and advantage situations and things like that. Um, but then at the same time, have a couple of things that where you can, might, might be able to get them a quick look.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. And, and um, what I have found, particularly at our level, and it's going to be different at the big school level because you're playing against really, really good players, teams that have five good players. Um, we find that the screener, particularly my good post player, when she sets that baseline screen, she basically pins that girl. And that's what we get is we get a catch from our best and that she's got a great chance to pass it into the post. And then we have our opposite post kind of cut into the elbow area. We get a lot of looks, but we try to get our best player touches. It's a little bit different than what you're You're saying. You're
1: playing through Um, your kid that's probably always going to draw one and two defenders. And so, you know, and so, yeah, absolutely. um, If they know where to be and and, and how to react to that, I think that that's great coaching because now you're, now you got your kids working together. Um, You just don't want everybody working to try to get a kid a shot and then you know they get that ball and then all of a sudden you know they're they're dead tired because they've had to come off four or five six screens or whatever there's i think it's a it's a comprehensive plan to get everybody involved to um, know what you need know what you need to do what the defense is trying to do and, and 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 teach and try to make them get in the right spots to be successful
0: yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, I think we actually have her more of a facilitator against yeah. the boxing one. Now, it's up to our other girls to knock yeah. down the shots and that's you know, that's not always the case, but usually it works pretty well. That's a great point. Hey coach, uh, before we move on to the next your next strength, I love screening. You mentioned something yeah. about zone sets. I'm actually looking more. It's funny how you mentioned that. Every time we screen the zone, we get a great look, and it's like Kevin. Why don't yeah. we screen the zone more instead of running our motion continuity? Absolutely. We what do you run, think about that?
1: Um, a a play all the time. Um, that it, it's mm. it's exactly what you're describing. It's it's basically, um, you know, we start in a three out two in set, and we'll we'll dribble push a wing, and that wing will go all the way to the weak side corner. That, that strong side big is okay. on the block will come out and set a ball screen. That weak side big will be on the weak side block. And what we try to do off that ball screen is attack, but we're really looking to kick it to the weak side where we've got that weak side triangle. And so the minute we come off that ball screen and we kick it to the, the other, the weak side wing, that, that weak side post player ducks in hard in the middle of the zone or you got the one more pass to the corner. Um, that's been a set that we've run – Every year, for at least five or six years, and it doesn't matter what zone that you, that a team's playing against you, you're always going to create a two on, a two on one on the backside. Um, it's really it's really good against a two three zone. Right. It's really good against a three two zone. It's it's one of our go to sets. Uh, but I agree with you one hundred percent. The other thing that we try to do zone offense wise is we love to get the ball to the corner. Um, in our zone sets because in every zone we feel like is a two, three, once the ball gets to the corner. And so it's easier to tell kids where they need to screen who needs to be where. And so a lot of our zone sets are predicated on getting the ball to the corner. And I I think that would be something I would say to young coaches is, you know, if you're having a hard time scoring is, you know, run some things where that ball has to get to the corner and then, you'll be able to position the zone exactly where you want to, and then you can get your kids in the right spots.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Unless, I mean, the hard part we face a lot of times is they might trap the baseline, which, you know, we teach them yeah. how to get out of that, but I think your good team, your well-coached teams are going to really pressure that baseline. Correct. If you're hitting yeah, that corner yeah, a lot. You just
1: have to let your kids know, okay, if, if, if the corners are hot and they're trapping, you know, here, here are our reads. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the passer that throws to the corner, if they go trap, you know, you're going to immediately pass and cut to the basket. And so most of our corner read, most of our corner sets um, are based on a, a cutter. And so, um, you know, if we, if the corners are hot, we tell that passer that to immediately look for the person throwing the ball to the corner, because that's going to be the first person that's available. And so sure. as long as your kids know, um, what to do if in that situation, um, you know, they can, they can prepare. And I always feel like, as a coach, um, you know, anytime there's two on the ball, you know, if your kids can make one pass out of a double team and, and look to attack, you know, you're going to, you're going to get something, you know, but getting out of that initial pressure sometimes is difficult. Yeah. I love that.
0: Let's move on to the, the their fourth area of strength is your special situations, which, which I think is probably one of the most neglected areas of the game, particularly baseline defense. Cause most teams that I we go against don't know how to play baseline defense. Uh, so talk about your special situation. Yeah, so
1: we we have um, – we're probably a little bit unique. You know, I get I get kidded all the time from coaching friends that you guys run so much stuff both, you know, offensively. And I was like, well, I don't know if that's good, but we, we do have a lot of things in. We, <laughs> we pride ourselves in those situations. Um, you know, I think we – last year, I think we charted it we scored on almost 40% of our out-of-bounds plays, um, which if you think about it, you know, if you scored out of one out of every two out-of-bounds plays, that's pretty good. I think we scored at a, almost at a 40, 40% yeah. clip last year. Um, we run out of our, out of man-to-man, we run um, two different things. Our, our four series is our box series um, that turns to a one-four low. And then we run our one series, which is our one-four low. And so both series are going to get to a 1-4 low. We just start differently. And so even though we may only have four to five out-of-bounds plays, we really have eight to ten out-of-bounds plays because we're just going to start different. Um, So how we start and how we finish are really the same. It's just how we start it. The other thing I like to do on our out-of-bounds plays is have counters to every every play that we run. And so this year we had five out-of-bounds plays man-to-man. And we had a counter for each one. Um, and at our, our based on out-of-bounds play, we had a last second. We needed three. We had a last second. We needed two. Um, and we had a tip play. So all in all, man-to-man, we had probably eight to ten plays. Um, zone-wise, we run about five to six zone plays. And, again, we have a zone play if we need a three. We have a zone play if it's a last-second tip. Um, so we have, by the end of the season – about fifteen to twenty plays in, just just baseline out of bounds. Um, I know, that, I know that seems like a lot, but um, I want our kids for every situation to have familiarity in what we're doing, and then we, it's just repetition to boredom. We just know, okay, less than three seconds, teams man to man, and they're switching everything. This is going to be the one that we go to, and, and our kids um, can get to it and 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 run it. Yeah,
0: and, and and just on that same line, do you? I, I'm. I'm. It sounds like since you focus on baseline, blob offense. You, you wanna you wanna hold them scoreless, right, on the baseline, yeah. right? How do you defend? How do you defend the baseline place?
1: We run. Um, we take our our zone, and we put our biggest wing defender on the ball, and we try to do it just like we try okay. to do it just like Syracuse. That person that's on the ball. Uh, your, your tallest defender this year, we had a six one kid that can really jump. And so their, their responsibility nice. is to take away anything immediately down the lane area. Um, there's no slips, no nothing, nothing down the lane. Um, it almost looks like a 1-3-1. One, one. Then our, our, our middle person, our zone, is right around the block area. Our weak side forward is on the weak side block. And their responsibility is to take away any pass to the corner. Um Then our guards at the top, um, one guard is just outside the elbow area looking to take away anything going to the corner, a ball side corner. Then our other guard is right around the free throw line, middle of the paint, and they're going to go with anybody that goes to the weak side corner. We really try to funnel the ball to that strong side corner and then trap it. Um, But what we find a lot against us is teams will just throw it deep. And then for us, we can either – you know match get right back into our man to man or go right into our zone but we try to funnel the ball to that strong side corner take away anything immediately down the paint and then uh get matched up from there and i, t- I think that saves on time it saves on, it saves on scouting um you know where you're supposed to be and i think one thing being a zone coach you're not necessarily worried about where players are. You're more worried about where's the ball at and where do we need to be in relationship to the ball. And that's one of the things I I would pass on along to other zone coaches is don't worry so much about what the offense is doing. What's the ball doing? What's the ball doing? You know, the ball is where, where do you need to be in relationship to the basketball?
0: I love that. And I, I do not put a person on the ball, but I really like that. Um, I think that adds. It forces that that player, the out of bounds player, taking it out. It forces them. You really you you help them out by forcing that ball wide, doesn't it? If you put it on the inside, you know, the inside shoulder, right? You're
1: taking away the middle third of the court because you've got the backboard. You've got that. You know, if you're blessed to have a long defender, um, you're really forcing them to throw a ball into a certain area, and so you can anticipate that. You can trap it. You can do different things, but. It, it really gives you uh, a limited space that you have to cover, um, and I also think, you know, come you know tournament time, you don't have if it's a quick turnaround and you got a team that runs really good out of bounds plays, just really talented. It gives you an advantage to where you don't have to worry about all that, all that stuff. You're gonna guard. You're gonna guard it this way. And, yeah. You know. So. And I, I think that's. You know, one of the things that's I've been really good about our program is. You know, not a lot of teams, at least 6A, I think, see a zone, our quality, night in, night out. And so when you get into a tournament, you know, on a quick turnaround, 24, 48 hours, a team's got to prepare for us. And, and I think we're sometimes we're a unique preparation because of, of how we play um, both on both ends. You know, we're offensively, we kind of go the other end of the spectrum. We've been more control tempo we're going to run our stuff. We're going to be very selective. And so with so many teams in 6A, especially in our conference, that want to press and play fast, we've been the exact opposite over three years. We, we kind of want to slow it down and control tempo, take care of the basketball, limit possessions a little bit and, you know, try to make you play the way we want to. Because the old adage, it's, it's harder to speed a game up than to slow it down. Um, we really pride ourselves on that.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because at state tournament time, the referees are better. They call it tighter. It's hard to make shots yeah. state tournament time. And the game really slows down because I think players think more. I might, Absolutely. what do you think about that?
1: Um, you know, you get better players and, you know, it. it I think it comes down to a, a half, more times than not a half court game um, in, in the state tournament. And so, you know, everybody wants to get up and down and play fast and, and shoot that way. But in my experience, the the further you go in the playoffs, um, the, the more meat grinder type games that you're going to be in, because the other team's good, and the other team's going to take away what you what you're going to do. And you got a good team, and you're going to take away what they want to do. And so it comes down to the little things as far as, you know, can you execute under pressure? Can you rebound? Can you take care of the basketball, you know, th- those kind of things that, you know, against average to below average teams, sometimes you might get away with. But when you're in the elite of the elite in the state tournament or in the playoffs, it comes down to those kind of games.
0: Yeah. And my good friend who's won like eight state championships, he tells me, of course, he has he has great players, <laughs> yeah. but he's also a great coach. He says he says, Coach, man, sometimes you just yep. got to grind it out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, the press is not working you're going to have to really just grind it out. That's, and it's so true. You know,
1: I hear coaches when they talk to me, that's one of the things I always hear them say about our teams and our program is, is how we just grind it out. You know, we're not always the prettiest team to watch on film um, or in our game, but we just play hard. We, we, we do the little things. Um, we control tempo. Um, we rebound. We, we, we're, we're patient on the offensive end. We're, we're very. We try to be very disciplined in our shot selection. So, it, our teams over the last two, three years are kind of a throwback. Um, you know, to where, you know, some teams, some coaches, old school, or new coaches might think it's boring. But for those of us who've been doing a while, you know, you, you got to find a way to to make your team competitive and give your kids a chance to win. And when everybody in your program is is playing a certain way, you know, why not take the other path and say, well, hey, you're going to have to when you play us, you're going to have to play this way. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's so true. Um, coach, is it my, my, the final area I want you to talk about and I appreciate you taking the time. I, I know this is, um, of course you probably have more time now. than you ever have? I think we all do. Um, but you know, time's always precious. Right. Um, but talk about your team chemistry, um, at the girls level, that's probably number one. Absolutely.
1: You know, the, 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 The biggest mistake I made early on as a girls coach is to coach them like girls and and to be too nice and not be accountable. And I learned that, you know, they're going to run right over you, um, you know, if you do that. And so I've learned over the years um, to coach them just like I would coach boys. But as far as far as chemistry goes, you know, at at Norman North, we have four pillars. Um, It's toughness, it's service, it's hard work, and it's sportsmanship. Those are the four pillars of our program. And so, with that um, the, the service component uh, I'm gonna talk about that one first um, we do a lot of things outside of the the, the normal school day <laughs> as a program um, whether it be you know going to the, the local food shelter and and serving there um, uh, doing a, a, a toy um, wish list for for kids in need in Norman to go into, to uh, a local, uh, community shelter and doing yard work. We do a lot of things at North that get our, get our kids, get our coaches together outside of the gym, outside the locker room, outside the bus. And what we feel like that does is, is, is it builds a sense of community. It builds a sense of um, investment. It builds a sense of, uh, of, commu- of, of just team um, that we're there for one another. So we, we do a lot of that kind of stuff. And, um, The other thing that I feel like we do, it's a little bit unique is, is, you know, we do team dinners, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll pick a spot once a month and, you know, have a, have a team dinner where we just talk and, and uh, you know, get to know that family, but we all go over there and eat and just have fellowship. Um, That's the thing that we pride ourselves on. And then, you know, every day we spend um, three to five minutes at the beginning of practice. I usually have a quote for today. Um, we talked about how that relates to basketball, how that relates to life. And so, um, you know, we do that as well, but we, as far as the, the chemistry component of it, um, you know, I, I, think we, as coaches have to get to know our players outside of the gym and show that we, we care about them. Um, and so that fosters a, a culture of togetherness, um, because if you can be a really talented team, but if you're splintered and you're not playing together or play for each other, um, that's it. That's a hard team to coach. Um, I feel like one of the things that we've been fortunate at Norman North is um, we have right now a culture of togetherness a culture of culture, playing for each other and, and trying to play the right way. And it, it wasn't always that way. Um, but it's something that we're committed to. And it's something that we work on. We work on, um, you know, we work on those kind of things and, um, it's a it's a huge part of our program, um, you know, that, that togetherness, because we feel like if we don't have togetherness, regardless of our talent level, we're not going to be any good.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, and that's so true. Because, uh, you know, I coach girls too, and I'm thinking um, bringing a team together um, is probably number one as far as getting everybody to unite. And it's hard to get – it's hard to get yes. boys to come together, but it's also hard for girls, too. They all have – everybody has their own agenda. Hey, Something that we do is we do a um, um, what makes a great teammate, and they all sign it, and I, we do it. We just take a whole practice to have them do it. We don't – coaches stay out of it. We have found that to be a great tradition for us, and we, can, we keep it up in the locker room. So if we have any issues during the season, we always go back to that. What do you guys do? do you have That's traditions amazing. that you guys I, I do. I love
1: that idea. I may have to pick your brain on that, and maybe you can you can you can share that with me. Always looking <laughs> for new ideas because every team is different. All the personalities on your team change year in year out, and so what works for one team isn't going to work for the, for the next group. And so you're always trying to find new ways. But like you said, if you've got a tradition in, in place like that, and the kids buy into it, then you know you've created a a, a great uh, culture there. We we had a thing. Um, the, those pillars that I talked about, um, you know my second my my first year at Norman North, um, we we had some bumpy times. Um, the things our chemistry wasn't good. And so when that season was over, um, I sat down with with our coaches and our players and we came up with you know those pillars on what we value, um, you know, the hard work, the toughness, the service, the sportsmanship. We came up with those four things. And then we talked about what behaviors, kind of like what you're describing, what behaviors on the floor represent hard work, represent service and things like that. And so what we did is we created this little, this little, uh, these little pillars, this little template. It's in our locker room and um, we have it posted right by the door. So every time everybody signed it that first year. So that's been, what, five years ago. Every time we run on the court, the kids in our program touch it. And uh, just a, a reminder of, you know, what we value. Um, and, and what we care about, as far as um, the finer points in our program. Yeah, I love that. You got to have
0: not only have. It sounds like not only do you're, you're posting it, but you guys are executing it. You're actually doing it, and I love what you guys are doing with your team dinner. Um, and that's something that so you do that periodically yeah, throughout we, the season. Yeah, we do. You we guys- uh, what
1: I try to do is we try to have a service project in the fall a service project in the winter, a service project in the spring, a service project in the summer. And then we try to have um, at least two dinners in the fall. Um, one season goes around and everything's busy. Um, we try to maybe have one Christmas dinner together. And then once, uh, once we hit January and February, the, the real busy times, you know, we'll, we'll try to make sure that we mix in at least one team dinner there. But we just feel like it's important for us to, to slow down um, when, when, when the, the, the schedule gets crazy to take some time to just be together to eat and have that fellowship. And it kind of brings every, it kind of centers everybody back, um, to where you, to, everybody's on level ground. Um, cause we, we all know there's times where you may be battling through some adversity or, you know, injuries or sickness, or, you know, you got two girls that are, that are upset with one another. Um, that you can put all those things aside, come together and just enjoy being with each other. And a lot of times that will help kind of get everybody recentered and refocused back on um, the task at hand.
0: Yeah. And and especially with girls teams, I think the social part for us men coaches, (laughs) you have to. I have I have my former player, a female that she coaches with me. And I tell you, it's been a blessing, man. The Lord has blessed me because she has insight that I don't have. Um, and I'm sure you had the same, probably with your assistant coaches, we really got to look beyond ourselves. When we're coaching. Goals, I'm right? the
1: same with you. Um, this year I was able to hire for the first time, a former player of mine, who's going to be a, a tremendous coach. Um, and so not only does she play for me, she, she knows me. And so I can pass a lot of things off to her. And, um, you know, it's that, that female presence in the locker room that can do a lot of things that we can't do and, and be that 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 voice um that the girls need to hear and, and be that that role model that that person they can they can go talk to um when they feel like they can't come talk to us as head coaches so that's that's when you know um and that's what i love is the uh, most about my job is just fostering and, and helping the next generation of coaches and you know just sharing um and, and trying to help those coaches become better better leaders and and uh, better head coaches
0: and that's so true, coach. And you have today because you shared a lot of great information that you did not have to share. And I love how you're kind of just opening up the book for your program. And I love that. Hey, my last question is this. Give us one piece of advice or give the coach out there who is now going to be starting a new job coming up, just like we did, give him some advice to help him start that new job. Well, hopefully in June. So you don't know yet. But um What's some what, what's one piece of advice you can give him or her?
1: I I think there are two things. Um, number one, be yourself. Um, I feel like especially coaching girls, um, if you try to go out there and be somebody that you're not, uh, I think girls especially will see right through that. So you gotta you gotta be yourself. Uh, number one. Um, number two is you have to find a way as a coach to um, find a way to keep your kids. Um, Competitive, Um, and so find out your group, your personnel, your whoever is it going to be in your program, and think about what's the identity going to be for your basketball team. You don't have control over everything, but what are three to four things that your program is going to stand for that year? Then every decision, everything you do needs to needs to support that, needs to foster that, needs to develop that. Us at Norman North. We talk about defense, rebounding, taking care of the basketball and half court execution. Those are the four things year in, year out that we're going to pride ourselves on. Uh, so I would say sit down, have a plan. What, how is your team going to play? And then start building from there.
0: Yeah, I love that. Those are um, I mean, that, that's that. it's simple advice. But it's actually hard to implement. And that those are just through years of experience. And I I really appreciate you sharing that. And coaches out there, man, take take heed that advice. Cause um, Roy's done a great job building two programs. And coach, I appreciate you coming on and sharing during this tough time. Uh, how can how can my listeners get a hold of you? Because there's quite a few listeners that are coaches just like me. How can we get yeah, a hold so, of you?
1: So uh, my email address is um Hamilton R at norman.k12.ok.us um, I'm Hoops on Twitter. Um, if you go to Fast Model Sports, um, I have numerous blog articles I've written over the years um, on a lot of the stuff that we talked about today, junk offense, uh, pre-practice drills, competitive rebounding. I've got a bunch of articles there. Um, always looking to, to learn, always love sharing, um, continue to grow as a coach and you know, bring things back to my program to help the young kids in my program.
0: Coach, thank you so much. You're going to get a lot of, you know, people contact and you shared some great information. I wish you the best. Stay healthy out there and your state. Uh, hopefully everything works out within your state. And um, thanks. Thanks again for coming on the Coach, podcast. It's been a
1: wonderful honor. Thanks for having me on. Um, I look forward to listening in the future. All right. Thanks, Rory. Right, Appreciate Coach, it. Take, take care. care. All right, bye now.
0: Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I'd love to help you get game results this season. Check out a free trial of my Pure Sweat training app on the Google Play and App Store today.